You're listening to the sixth season of Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about the intersection of liturgy and life. I'm Father Jeffrey Reddy, Director of Orthodox Christian Studies at Trinity College, part of the University of Toronto. I'm also the Rector of Holy Merbera's Orthodox Mission in Toronto. I'm joined by my former student and good friend, Father Yuri Hladio, who pastors St. Maria of Paris Orthodox Mission in Hamilton. For our sixth season, Father Yuri and I will be making public our series on the Desert Fathers and Mothers of the Church, previously released only for our patrons. You'll be hearing the episodes exactly as they were originally released. We release special private issues for our Patreon subscribers on a weekly basis. If you like what you hear and you'd like access to more podcast content, you can go to patreon.com forward slash enacting the kingdom or go to enactingthekingdom.com and follow the link from there. For now, we hope you enjoy the public release of this episode. Welcome to the Enacting the Kingdom private podcast. You're listening to this because you've chosen to financially support this project, and Father Jeffrey and I are so grateful to have you as part of our Patreon community. As a show of our gratitude, please accept this Patreon-only episode as a special thank you. The series finale on the sayings of the desert mothers and fathers. It's been a very enjoyable series, Father Jeffrey. Actually, lots of patron comments on this that people have found it useful to read some of this ancient wisdom and learn how it applies to our daily life in North America in the 21st century. Who would have thought some of these sayings by monks (laughs) living in Egypt, away from everybody, would have any kind of application, any kind of application for us in our modern Western technological society in the 21st century. Yeah. I mean, it is a funny thing, actually. Um, it warms my heart because I've always been very drawn, you know, to this tradition as well. And almost outside of the gospels themselves, I find, you know, this is kind of my second place of repair for, you know, finding, you know, just sort of that simplicity and purpose, you know, in life, but it, I mean, you couldn't find a greater contrast between our world, you know, and that one. And maybe that that's partly why we're so drawn to it, but it does really warm my heart that our, our listeners have, have found this uh, a useful series. And I hope this has set them up. This isn't just like, okay, been there, done that, let's move on. You know, but that this has maybe now become a, a kind of useful companion for, for the journey of faith and, and Christian life that, you know, that these stories and these, these characters, I feel like they're, they're, they're my companions on, on the road. And I often find myself in different times of my life thinking about individuals in, in amongst these different mothers and fathers and, and sort of, you know, lean into some of their experience and, and sayings just as a kind of helpful um, guide, you know, to me. And I hope our listeners have found the same. We in this episode are going to be reflecting on the series, but you know, that question, how do these things really apply? And there are a couple of sayings here under the banner of, you know, how to become a monastic, how to become a monk or how to become a nun. What are the kind of the things you have to do to make this happen? And on first blush, when you read some of these, it's like, oh, this really doesn't apply. But of course, with all the sayings we've been going through, it really does. Uh, You know, at its foundation, there's a common asceticism that those who live in the world and those who choose to um, join monasteries or hermitages, we share a common asceticism. Of course, there's to varying degrees do we practice and there's there's a diversity there. But, you know, at the foundation, there are many of the same um, same concepts and ideas that we participate in. 
Um, anything else you want to say before I dive into the first thing here, Father Jeffrey? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two common reactions we get, you know, whether it's confronted with uh, Desert Fathers and Mothers as we have here, or even indeed, you know, those of us who have had an opportunity to go on pilgrimage um, to monasteries, either close to home or far away, you know, we tend to react in one of two ways. One is, oh, this is just wonderful. I wish I could be here. My life would be better. My hope, I, I could be a proper Christian if only I could just live here. You know, if I could be in Egypt in 350, if I could be in, you know, what whatever monastery we visit, you know, in our own day and age and everything. And, and so that's one response that we have in our hearts. The other is, oh my goodness, you know, uh, I could never be this. This is, you know, clearly I am not cut out for this Christian, you know, business. And so maybe I'll just go back to being one of these settled, you know, Christians. I'll, I'll do just enough that maybe gets me over the line, you know, in the final analysis, but, but somehow or another, I'm not going to take this properly seriously because it's just too much work. It's, you know, it's not, it's not for me. So we, we kind of go with one of these two poles, but I think one of the interesting things that this series has maybe rekindled and, and asked us to to consider is that there's an essence here and um, there's a kind of fundamental orientation here that we can bring with us into a kind of middle space that's neither us having to leave the world completely as some of these many of these people did, or indeed reject it because we don't think we're, we're capable or, or we don't have the circumstances or opportunity, you know, to do that. And that is to say, there's a, an orientation of our hearts and of our lives, a way of living that we can carry with us into the world. And although we are not given some of the opportunities and the freedoms and the, the time, we need to nevertheless focus on those principles, right? That we can, we can create space and time amidst the rushing, you know, of our world, amidst the busyness and productivity that we're called to constantly, all these struggles that we go through in our families, our workplaces and everything, we can stop and attend to the kind of inner life spiritual growth, that contemplation is available to us in our hearts, in our daily you know, lives. We don't have to go along with the society around us. It's constantly trying to give us things to do, right? We're, we're bombarded daily by news and information and things to buy and, and, and advertisements and, and everything. And we can somehow shut that all out, even if we're in the midst of them and find this kind of more rooted, deeper way of living, attending to our hearts, as we've talked about in this series, attending to peace within, attending to love and forgiveness, and just an, an orientation towards loving God and, and neighbor and so forth. So ultimately, I guess what we're saying is that these desert fathers and mothers become for us a kind of, like, they're not the model of life per se, but they are, they kind of exist at the margin of our life to kind of project to us uh, this kind of prophetic challenge to 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 do this to live this they they they're, they're, not everyone can be them you know not everyone can be them the same way not everyone can be like a really really good artist or a really really you know uh great writer or you know musician or or whatever i mean they they they're exceptional for this reason to show us something of beauty and truth and and holiness and so forth but to inspire us to to live that not to not that we say oh it's too bad i'm not them but to say 
there's something of that that I, I can nevertheless live. So I, I hope that's one thing that we're leaving with people here is not despair that we can't do it or despair that, um, you know, that, you know, it would only be possible if we found the desert ourselves, but that the desert can exist deep within us. And I hope we've emphasized that enough during this series that this is available to us all, no matter what our family situation, work situation, life situation. Yeah, I'll dive into the first saying here. Uh, Abba Piman said to Abba Joseph, tell me how to become a monk. He said, if you want to find rest here below and hereafter, in all circumstances say, who am I? And do not judge anyone. Very short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, you know, how do, how do you take on this kind of life? Well, there's two things that you have to do. One is to say, who am I? Right? That's sort of putting yourself on the outside, isn't it? Like, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. And do not judge anyone. As soon as it, it almost sounds to me like, as soon as you see yourself kind of um, as the blessed one, right? As the one who's on the inside, um, I'm in. I'm in the know. Then you know you're in trouble, right? Um, to see yourself as that outsider is. It, it, I think that's kind of what's getting what's being put across here. Yeah, well, we need to do this kind of deep work of, of examination. I mean, so much, I was just described, the kind of busyness of our world and all the things and, and information and, and whatever that we surround ourselves with. There are, we, we do that almost deliberately, um, you know, unconsciously, but, but somehow deliberately that in order to distract us from noticing ourselves, noticing how we really are, who we really are, that work of uncovering what's deep within our hearts, right? That ultimately is revealed by our behaviors. What we really hunger for and long for and desire and, and love is what we manifest, you know, in our lives. So to, to, to go deep within, to attend to the, the longings and desires of our hearts and to, to transform those, to conform to the love of God and love of neighbor is this work of who am I, this self-knowledge, right? That even the ancient, you know, Greeks talked about is the beginning of all wisdom to, to know, know yourself, right? And it's interesting that this is linked here in Abba Piman's saying with the non-judgment of, of others, because, you know, so often uh, are, we judge others precisely on the basis of things that we're we're uncomfortable with or wanting to hide or reject within ourselves. Right? Um, we 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 particularly go on that judgmental warpath over issues that we struggle with ourselves, even if we haven't yet admitted that. Right? I mean, this is just. Right. Proved time right. and time again. Well, it's and, kind of the, uh, the the trope of the you know mega church pastor who preaches vehemently against homosexuality, and then it comes right. out that he's in a homosexual scandal with somebody. Well, exactly that, and the obsession with certain kinds of morality that that indicates that's the very thing that you know people are, are struggling with. So those things are not disconnected. You know, proper knowledge of what's in your heart, what your real longings and passions are, and to realign those and repent, bring those into alignment with God's creational purposes. That's the same job as not judging others because it's all wrapped up in, in, in together, right? So all these things are, are so interconnected and we need to um, just attend, right? Stop, get rid of that busyness, descend with our minds into our hearts, 
with prayer, with grace, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and and basically shine a light. Right? It's about you know the you know sunlight being the best, best disinfectant is is one of those nice sayings that is so true. That you know bringing light into the darkness of our own lives, of our hearts, is what's going to lead us to that fullness of love of God and fullness of love of neighbor, including non-judgment of others and forgiveness of others, which we are called, you know, to do. And I mean, ultimately, that's not a transactional thing, right? It's not about saying that, you know, I kind of have to do this quid pro quo thing with, with every, every person. It's about deciding where we actually live because forgiveness and non-judgment and grace and love is the air of the age to come, is the the life of the kingdom itself, right? So we're either participating in that or we're not, right? And so if we're going to be saying we're Christians and saying we're kingdom bearers and saying we've been born into the, the life of new creation, we have to be ultimately paying attention to our hearts being open to that, to the very stuff of the of the kingdom, which is love and forgiveness, right? And and God's mercy. And so it's not, as I say, this kind of we have to go out and individually transact this. We just have to breathe it in and breathe it out. And breathing it fully in means to open our whole selves, you know, to that reality. So knowing ourselves, breaking our hearts to and, and opening them up to 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 be penetrated by by God's spirit and his mercy is what enables us then to to step out in non-judgment and love of others as Abba Piman suggests. Mm-hmm. Another saying here, one of the fathers asked Abba John the dwarf, what is a monk? He said, he is toil. The monk toils at all he does. That is what a monk is. Man, I do not like that one. No. Can, can you move on, please? <laughs> Next. Yeah, no, no, I think I read it wrong. He said, he is fun. The monk has fun at all he right, does. Right. Um, which is probably true too. But um, but no, no, it's not great. Um, and you know, it's not even that we can sort of say, well, he's talking about you know, ascesis, right? You know, which is a kind of purposeful uh, work and toil, the, the ascetic life, which we can recast as kind of training, right? And training suggests that eventually we're going to be done and, um, you know, be able to actually do the thing that we've been training for. But no, this is just toil. I think it's copos. Um, and uh, no, that's just slog, <laughs> hard work. Um, it's challenging. And you know, I suppose the the positive thing about this is to be reminded that we're not alone in this because, you know, people come again and again for advice or counseling or whatever. And it's father like, why hasn't it worked yet? Why, why am I not yet a saint? Um, of course, I tell them they are. You come to the divine liturgy, you're, you're made a saint and participate in, in the life of the age to come here and now. But we go back out into the world. It's again, copos, it's toil, it's struggle, it's challenge, it's suffering even, right? And uh sorry but this is a sign that it's working not that it's mm-hmm. not working and i suppose that's mm-hmm. the positive you know thing here i mean the servant is not greater than his master and if the master went through the toil that he did for us and the suffering and the death um for us then we need to fill up what's lacking in in the sufferings of christ saint paul says um which 
again, is not cheery, you know, news, but what is lacking in that is us, right? And our participation, you know, in that. Of course, the end is not toil. I mean, we're assured that in that vision of of heaven and earth coming together in the new Jerusalem, that, you know, there is, there's no tears, there's no toil, there's no, there, there's no suffering. But Meantime, because we're in this overlap of the ages, we need to be hard at work bringing the kingdom of God to the world, starting with our own hearts, starting with our own darkness that needs the light shined um, thereon. But but know mm. that Christ is with us, right? This is this is a hundred percent grace. You know, this this toil does not suggest it's on us. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, kind of idea. Not at all, right? It's about the hard work that involves making our hearts align, you know, with the the love and grace of God, and and with the, the the powerful transformation that can come about when we decide for the kingdom. And um, but no, it's sorry. There's there's no easy path. The eagles will not come and pick you up and carry you over the road. You know, um, you need to to make the journey yourself. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, uh, and I don't have the saying in front of me, but there's a story in the Desert Father tradition. Maybe you'll remember where it's from. But an elderly monk is is dying, and he sees this vision of him entering the kingdom. But uh, there's you know the gates of the kingdom, and he's just outside them. He's not yet in, and he hears a voice behind him that says, you know, behold, you have conquered. And he turns around and he sees the devil behind him and he says, not yet. Mm, yeah. You know, it's, it's work until both feet are in the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's going to yeah. be work. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. We can't really soften this one a whole lot. Um, and it's good that it comes here at the end to sort of remind us that, mm. you know, Again, we're, we've got this contrast between our lives and, and the desert, you know, of, of Egypt or Syria or whatever in the in the third and fourth centuries, and that wasn't an easy life. Like, let's not romanticize this. Let's not suggest that you know, this is anything other than pure toil. And so much the better for it, because ultimately we want to be transformed, right, by the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. So here's one that uh, is an enigma to me. So we'll see how this goes. Abba Joseph said to Abba Lot, you cannot be a monk unless you become like a consuming fire. Abba Lot went to see Abba Joseph and said to him, Abba, as far as I can, as far as I can say my little office, I fast a little, I pray and meditate, I live in peace, and as far as I can, I purify my thoughts. What else can I do? Then the old man stood up and stretched his hands towards heaven. His fingers became like ten lamps of fire, and he said to him, If you will, you can become all flame. Hmm. That, yeah. this is, it's a fascinating one, isn't it? Sure. And I mean, there are other examples, you know, in the lives of the saints of, of things like this, right? I mean, St. Seraphim famously pulls off the same trick, <laughs> as it were. Um yeah, so I mean, I, you, like a lot of these things, you know, it's not about saying it means this, it means that. Let's define mm-hmm. it and 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 limit it, and you know, move on. It's about what does this inspire us to reflect on and to 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 do in our lives and, and so forth. So I mean, obviously, beyond the kind of practices of the faith, right, which we become obsessed with sometimes, right, fasting and. Uh, going to church and almsgiving and, and whatever. And, and it's right to pay attention to those. It's only by doing those things habitually, uh, you know, repetitively that we become habituated in our hearts to 
be oriented towards you know the right things, but we mustn't mistake those for the end, right? I think that's one of the kind of points here, right? Abba Joseph is is saying, you know, look beyond the resources, the tools, the practices to the telos, to the purpose, the to the goal here, and that is fire. Well, what does it mean by fire, right? Or all flame consuming, you know, fire. Well, fire is often used in the scriptures, obviously, as a image of the glory of God, right? Um, and it has particular characteristics that I think are worth, if we were to reflect on this, you know, paying attention to and, and, and attending to, and that would be, um, you know, fire has this way of, of consuming things and sort of changing their properties without them not being what they are anymore. So the, the, in the patristic tradition, generally, you know, theosis is described as a kind of, you know, it's like iron in the fire, right? So that we can participate in the, like the energies of God, in the God's true life without becoming God, you know, by nature, we're like iron that's placed into a fire. And you know what happens, you know, like the sword that you, I mean, not probably from personal experience, Father Yuri, but I mean, from, from books, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. a, a sword in the, in the fire, um, you know, it, it transforms the blade, right? It becomes like fire itself without losing its property of, of iron, right? So there's this idea that the flame is this living, glorious, transforming presence that transforms us without us, you know, losing our identity, right? It's why it's such a beautiful, you know, mm. kind of symbol and metaphor, you know, for all of this. It's alive, you know, and it brings newness of life, a different form of life to those things that participate, you know, in it. So Abba Joseph becomes all flame without stopping being Abba Joseph. He's participating in the life, the glory, the grace of God without not, you know, without losing his human you know, nature. It's about participation mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So I think, you know, we want to reflect on, on some of those things as the goal, the purpose of all these practices. Not that we stop fasting, we stop praying, we stop almsgiving, we stop going to liturgy, stop reading the scriptures. These are all good practices the more we do those the more our hearts are actually oriented towards the right thing but that right thing transcends all of those that right thing is participating in the Mm -hmm. the, the glory of god and thank goodness abba joseph is there to remind us of this as well as you know many other saints um in church tradition that you know we need to look beyond those steps in front of us look beyond the toil to the flame right so well here we are the last saying that we'll comment on in this series uh, we will have, I'll read another saying as we end the show, but we won't comment on that last one. This will be the last one we comment on. This is from uh, a saying from the group of sayings uh, connected with Abba Anthony, St. Anthony the Great. A hunter in the desert saw Abba Anthony enjoying himself with the brethren, and he was shocked. Wanting to show him that it was necessary sometimes to meet the needs of the brethren, the old man said to him, put an arrow in your bow and shoot it. So he did. The old man said, shoot another. And he did so. Then the old man said, shoot yet again. And the hunter replied, if I bend my bow so much, I will break it. Then the old man said to him, it is the same with the work of God. If we stretch the brethren beyond measure, they will soon break. Sometimes it is necessary to come down to meet their needs. When he heard these things, the hunter was pierced with compunction and greatly edified by the old man. And he went away 
As for the brethren, they went home strengthened. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad for this saying, quite frankly. Um, yes, there, there probably aren't <laughs> enough of them uh, in the Desert Fathers, and it can be quite, you know, wearying uh, in our souls to to read about the toil, you know, so much and not to find more words like this. So thank goodness this one exists, and it's often quoted for that reason, right? Um, I mean, we, if we leave if we leave behind the world around us with all of its obsession with productivity and doing things and knowing things and getting things done, all this sort of stuff. And we take up the spiritual life on the same basis, then we're in for a very difficult time, you know, indeed, indeed. right? It's not about finding a new way of being competitive and um, industrious and, and so forth. I mean, the, really the focus ought to be on God himself, right? On, on, on living and participating in that life and ultimately being able to rest in that, you know, the, you know, famous words of, um, you know, Moses, um, you know, and then in the story of the Exodus where, you know, God tells the people of Israel to, to, to just be still and let me fight the battle, right? So ultimately that has to be put into this picture that because it's not our own effort that matters, it's God's grace, it's God's power working in us. Ultimately, every bit of this toil, all the, the struggle in the spiritual life is about finding a place, you know, to rest. But I mean, the point here is just about you can't overdo it or you can, I mean, you can overdo it, but you shouldn't overdo it, right? That there's the, the purpose of this is greater than any one of the individual things that could break you if you obsess on them. If you, if you bring the worldly mentality into this, then you're going to, to ultimately, you know, kind of, um, be burned out, right? And I've seen this over and over again, where people, you know, oh, they take to orthodoxy, like, in, this is the best thing. I've been waiting for this my whole life. And they throw themselves into it. And for a time, it works. And if for the time, it seems like this is exactly, you know, what they were, they were created for, designed for, waiting for. And then it just, it burns out and they, they leave and they, you know, they turn their back on, on God, they turn their back on, on the church. And, you know, I th how often does it come that it, whether it's because someone has done this to us or we put this on ourselves, but we break that bow, right? Because we have just not allowed ourselves that rest, that Sabbath, really, that comes from being placed within the hands of God and his grace and knowing that he fights for us, right? He's the one who is, you know, we're, we're to open ourselves to his work and not make ourselves our own works. We are not creators. We are not replacing God in this spiritual life, but we are ultimately, the best thing is to become clay, soft clay that the potter can, can fashion, right? I think that that's a scriptural image that mm -hmm. I can bring back to, you know, in my, in my own mind. Sometimes the clay has to be at work, opening itself to the hands of the potter, but at other times it just has to rest in the potter's hands because if we're going to be finished as pots and finally 
put into the fire was in the image that we just saw, right? And 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 made permanent in in the kingdom, then you know, we need to be able to know how when to struggle, when to rest. And and there's a balance there that has to be struck, a tension that always has to be there. And so I, I find this very comforting indeed, this this saying. Mm-hmm. I remember I'll, I'll tell a personal anecdote from my life. I remember when I was uh, in, you know, grade, let's say middle school age, like grade seven, grade eight, kind of around there, 12, 13, 14. Um, so, you know, we almost never had video games in the house because my dad did not want us playing video games, but we did have, you know, we could, we had a computer game for, to play football and, you know, we had, we had a couple, but of course, you know, you couldn't play them when my dad was home. He would be like, well, the law needs to be mowed, right? And you'd, there would always be something to do if you're playing. If you have time to play video games, you have time to contribute around the house, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember I was doing some kind of schoolwork or I, I was, I was really strung out. Like I was very, uh, stressed and whatever whatever was going on and i remember my dad looked at me and this is the one time in my life that this ever happened he looked at me and said yuri go and play video games (laughs) and i was was just like my jaw dropped i was like what he's like go downstairs turn on the computer and play football I was like, okay. <laughs> so then yeah. I went, right? Um, that's what this story reminds me of, right? If you know, if you bend too far, like sometimes what needs to be done in that moment is that um is that you know meeting the needs of of the moment. Yeah. Well he knew if it was lawn was ever gonna be mowed again, <laughs> you needed <Right>. rest. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Father Jeffrey. It's been a wonderful to go through the series with you. Uh, I've learned a lot. I know our, our patrons have really appreciated uh, our exploration. Um, patrons, please write comments. Let us know uh, if you have any favorite sayings. Um, maybe we'll do kind of a follow-up episode uh, if there are particular sayings you would like us to comment on. Uh, we'd be happy to do that. So uh, you can leave those comments on Patreon. Um, that's about it. Father Jeffrey, any final words from you before I read our last saying? I wouldn't want to get in the way of that. I think uh, the, the great thing about this series is that everything we've said has been so subordinate to the the powerful words of the, the fathers and mothers themselves. So I happily cede that final word to whatever you're about to read. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. While yet a child, Abba Ephraim had a dream And then a vision, a branch of vine came out of his tongue, grew bigger and filled everything under heaven. It was laden with beautiful fruit. All the birds of heaven came to eat the fruit of the vine. And the more they ate, the more the fruit increased. Another time, one of the saints had a vision. According to the commandment of God, a band of angels descended from heaven, holding in their hands a kephalis, that is to say, a piece of papyrus covered with writing. And they said to one another, To whom should we give this? Some said, To this one, others to that one. Then the answer came in these words, Truly, they are holy and righteous, but none of them is able to receive this except Ephraim. The old man saw that the kephalis was given to Ephraim, And he saw, as it were, a fountain flowing from his lips. Then he understood that which came from the lips of Ephraim was of the Holy Spirit. Well, that does it for another episode of the private podcast of Enacting the Kingdom. Thank you again for all your support. Please feel free to comment with any follow-up thoughts or questions. Father Jeffrey and I read them all. 
Looking forward to having you back soon.